0: so interesting that this book is called Ruth, when in many ways, the central character of this story is Naomi. And it starts with her, it starts with the tragedy that happens to her family, and she's trying to navigate and walk through these What are treacherous moments because she's been effectively abandoned, has no family to care for her in any way. She's in a foreign land, doesn't know really what to do. And she's got these daughters-in-law who are going to try to hang with her. And she's like lovingly saying, that would be a bad idea for you because I've got nothing for me. She's navigating this, and then you get to the end. Now, uh, we, we did spoiler alert uh, last week that Ruth goes with Naomi. Ruth finds her kinsman redeemer. We're gonna get into the beauty of that part of the story in a couple, in, or next week she finds this kinsman redeemer, uh, Boaz, comes, they are married, they have a son, that son is Obed, who, become, who is the father of David, who is the greatest king in the history of Israel, and the line by which the Son of God will come to us. Powerful, amazing. Uh, historical events that are taking place in this moment. And if you go to the end, and we're just gonna jump and look, if you go to the end, you can flip over a couple pages in Ruth chapter four, we're hearing Naomi's story uh, Ruth has this son, but look at Ruth chapter four, verse 16, it says, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Uh, now, if I'm Ruth, she... She's like, now who had the child? (laughs) Wait, Naomi's the one that's getting the recognition. Why on earth are we talking about Naomi having the child? This is Ruth's child, right? Obed, Jesse, David, this is the line. And it's almost for a moment, you're like, why are we still talking about Naomi here? And it's almost as if the Lord wants to say, hey, I opened with heartbreak. And I opened with a sadness and disappointment and difficulty, but I want you to know, here's how I close out my people's story. Naomi's going to get to be the great grandmother of the line, the King of David, and who the Son of God will come and visit us. We get a chance just to see the heart of God. I think that's why this is how the telling of the Story goes so that every one of us can know. You might find yourself in a moment of hardship or sadness, but God is working for you. And that's what we got to say a little bit. We discovered that God can take even evil and broken things and turn them for our good. And we don't always know how it's going to go in the moment. Naomi would have no idea how amazing her story would actually end up being, and yet this is who our God is, and this is what our God does. But I want to pause here for a moment and just take time to understand and see and view how Naomi is going to handle this dark moment. Because isn't that real and true in life that there are dark moments? Now, uh, I'm gonna ask you this question. I'm, please don't raise your hands. Uh, how many of you have ever sunk? like you've been in here and you have sung the lyrics, you're never gonna let me down in here, but like low-key have felt let down by the Lord before, okay? Now, I know you're not supposed to talk about that in church, but we're just gonna do it. Come on. Now, I, th- I thank God for that song to be able to sing it by faith, saying I believe and trust, you're never gonna let me down. But church, come on. We all have had moments where you're going, God, are you there? Do you see what's happening in my life? I'm certain that you've felt that before. That would make you human. All of you, anyone that says, I've never felt let down by God, you might be a robot. All right, the rest of us are going, hey, we've had moments where we have prayed prayers that did not get answered in the way that we had hoped that they would. I remember we were in our church in Texas and there were two of the godliest people you could ever possibly know, just full-hearted, passionate people, worshipers of God, both contracted cancer or were diagnosed with cancer in a similar time line, and so our church has just believed, hey, God, uh, listen, cancer's nothing to the King of kings and Lord of lords, so we prayed, and we prayed, and we asked God to heal them and to deliver them, and we prayed for them as a staff, and we prayed, their small groups prayed, and we prayed for them after church, and we'd pray and pray and pray for months, praying and asking and literally within about a span of three to four weeks, they both passed away from cancer. Really sad, really heartbreaking, really disappointing. And I just have to be a little bit honest and just ask the question, God, of all the people in all the world, these amazing women loved you with their whole lives. Why? It might even seem unfair, but it's real life at the same time. And so you either have to go, well, God, you're absent and unable to do anything about it, or you're very present and you know exactly what you're doing and we just don't understand. It's one of those two. It's one of those two. It's actually something that every human needs to wrestle with. What do you actually, do you believe that God's a divine ambulance chaser who's just trying to show up to the calamities, maybe late sometimes? Or is he the sovereign of the universe who sees everything, good and evil, and he knows exactly what he's doing in your life, no matter what? It's one of those two. And if that's true, then God, would you help us to know your heart in the dark moments of our lives, in the sad moments when pain feels like it's strangling us and darkness feels like it's closer than even your family, right? What should we do? That's the question. What should we do? How do we handle Those moments. I think Naomi's actually gonna give us some insight here. There's some things we're gonna get to learn from her that I would want us to just take and begin to catalog and put in our hearts so that when you and I get to real moments of life where we all experience our own hurt and disappointments and darkness, we get to walk with God through it so there's a couple of things we're gonna to get to learn. The first thing is this, listen. When you are sad, be sad and tell God about it. When you're sad, be sad and tell God about it. Naomi does something that um, we're not really super comfortable with. And that is she goes into full-on lament. It's not a word we use very much in our English language, but she goes into lament. She straight up tells God, I am hurt and I am disappointed. Even saying the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Verse 13, she says, the Lord's hand has gone out against me. In verse 20, she gets back to Bethlehem and, she's, and everybody's like, hey, Naomi, we're so glad you're here. And she's like, don't call me Naomi, which Naomi means uh, 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 pleasant. That was her name. Naomi means pleasant. She's like, "Don't call me that. Call me Mara, which means bitter." It's hurt. Call me bitter. That's what she's effectively saying because the Lord's dealt bitterly with me. Now somebody came into church and you're like, "Oh hey, Peggy," and she's like, "Don't call me Peggy. Call me angry. Want to shoot something? You know, like you know, you'd be like." Uh, okay, all right, all right. You've you gone through some stuff, okay, all right. We might be like, do you need ministry? Like, what do we need to do here, right? It would just be like a little bit jarring. That's what's going, that's what the kind of thing that's going on in Naomi's soul in this moment. And we might in church think, hey, you need like, You need to get some perspective and let's try to fix whatever's going on here. But that's not where Naomi's at. Naomi's like, hey, I've lost my husband. I lost my sons. I have no prospects for much of any kind of life and I'm hurt. I went out with everything and I came back and I've got nothing. And that's that's what I've experienced here in this moment. Now, I think it's important for us to be able to see at no point in time does she believe that God is not in control. In fact, I think her words would suggest very much she knows God is still the king. She hasn't turned her back and said there is no God. If, if there was a God, then all of these bad things would never have happened. That's, by the way, the, the thing that we get, get to hear a lot in our culture today. If there was a God, surely I would never have experienced the things that I have experienced. But she isn't saying that, she isn't saying there isn't a God. She isn't accusing God of even taking her husband and son. She's just saying, I'm really hurt. You're the sovereign of the universe. Yes, you're God almighty. In fact, she uses even that language, but I'm disappointed. It allows us the opportunity to say, hey, listen, being sad is often messy, it's untidy, but it is real, and God is here for your real. God's here for your real. This actually is what we're going to discover from Naomi. This is a life of faith not where we accuse or point the finger at God, but where we come to him real and raw with the things that are going on inside of us and say, God, I'm here for the whole deal. I'm not gonna pretend like you aren't the sovereign of the universe, and I don't understand why these things have transpired, but I want you to know that I'm hurt and I'm disappointed. We often think, I think, we feel like we have to clean up our untidiness. We gotta clean it up in order to talk to God, right? Right? What we do is we grunt and we read some Bible verses and we try to, <clears throat> okay, God, I'm going to try to come to you in faith. When actually, if you want to come to God in faith, it's time to come to him with the tears. And it's time to come with him with the disappointments and be honest and real with him he knows and he sees. You yeah, so ask, is it right for Naomi to even lament this way? The answer is, yeah because lamenting is what is a means by which we hear this we hold on to god we hold on to him lamenting telling god our sadness is how we hold on to him you want to go like i want to be a man i want to be a woman of faith church the best thing we can do is be real and honest with God so that we get to hold on to him rather than turn and run in dejection or sadness away from him, the only source of healing you and I ever have a chance of having. I was reading an article by a woman who had polio when she was a child and then later in life had, married and had a child, lost an infant son and then had post-polio issues that were crippling her body and making her have to uh, sit in a wheelchair and had her husband who left her and her two daughters, uh, two adolescent daughters, completely left uh, them alone, walked away. She wrote in an article, she says, listen, Lamenting keeps us engaged with God. When we lament, we invite God into our pain so that we can know His comfort. Our faith is not a facade we erect to convince ourselves and others that pain doesn't hurt. Rather, it is an oak tree that can withstand the storms of doubt and pain in our lives and grow stronger. Through them. That's real faith. It's being real and bringing our real to the real God who sees it all. Who sees it all. We actually even have a book in the Bible called Lamentations. The whole book is... Why, God? Why? Some of it, by the way, of their own doing. You know, it's okay to lament to God when you're suffering the consequences of bad decisions you've made and saying, Oh, have mercy, God, I'm sad, I'm disappointed, I'm hurt even our own sin, our own choosing. Guess what? God doesn't disqualify you and your sadness. He wants to use that moment to breed intimacy with him. We don't know why Naomi's husband died. We don't know why her sons died. We don't know the answers to those questions. We just know she's disappointed she isn't saying, I don't believe in you, God. She isn't pretending that she doesn't know that God's the sovereign of the universe. She's just saying, hey, Lord, would you meet me in this sad place? I'm hurt, and I'm bringing it to you. I'm gonna be honest with you. I have believed. I've shared maybe bits and parts here before, but I spent the vast majority of my Christian life leadership life, believing um, that if you have faith, then you should be able to rise above sadness and fear and loneliness and shame. If you're a true Christian leader, your faith will keep you above those things. The problem is that literally every leader in the Bible had to face and walk through all of those things. Somehow we tried to make it so that we can experience humanity, broken humanity, that we can not experience it, that if you're gonna have faith, you gotta somehow work your way above it. And I think there's this wrongly understood belief that... Um, because Jesus came to give you and I life and life to the full or life abundantly as John 10 would tell us, then that means that once you become a Christian, you're now supposed to live in perpetual joy and gladness all the time. As if anyone could live up to that. And, and to, if you don't live in perpetual gladness, all the time, then that's a blemish on your faith. It's actually a weakness to your character. And that if you aspire, I would say, especially into Christian leadership or within Christian circles, leader, pastor, mentor, there is no space for you to have actually a messy life and even a messy faith. Consequently, by the way, you want to know why you see so many pastors falling, failing, moral failures? You want to know why? Because they're not allowed to have a messy faith. You want to know why you see failings and fallings and struggle, all those things? It's because they don't have a safe place to be able to go to to say, hey man, I'm sad or I'm lonely, or I'm hurt, or I'm frustrated. We're only kind of comfortable with our leaders having one emotion, really happy, or maybe angry, because like a good Hellfire and Brimstone sermon every once in a while, right, key you up. We're not okay with all the other things. Or I'm gonna be upset, I wasn't okay with myself having those things. So I've just been like waking up to what's a real life of faith? Is it the ones where I have to say, have the things, but then I need to bury them so that I can present as a great person of faith? Or is it I can be in faith, come to the Lord and share with him the full gamut, share with loving, caring people, like a church or like a wife, and say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing and we can lament and hold on to God by faith through the storm. I think I would just like to build a church family that could do that. That we could learn how to hold on to God through the storm and be real with him. I think it would, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the full, or life abundantly, is not one where every second of the day we're always happy and it's always sunshine and butterflies. I think what he was saying is, I came to give you myself and myself to the full, meaning no matter what your day looks like, I'm here with you. I am. That's actually what Jesus said. If you want to do the. Like mathematical equation. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then in another scripture, he says, I came to give you life and life to the full. What he's saying is, you know, if you do the X equals ABC, whatever, sorry, I was bad at math, but you get, if you do that, I came to give you life. And what he's saying is life to the full. And I am that I came to give you myself. That's what he's saying. He is the abundant life. That's who he is. He's fullness. He's abundance. There, those are the results of actually living in a real relationship with him where you can bring the full measure of who you are to him. And he can come, and he's not afraid of your lament and your sadness because he knows exactly where you are, exactly what you're going through, and he knows exactly where he's taking you. He sees Ruth chapter four. All right, you're going, I'm in Ruth chapter one. And Jesus says, I know you're in Ruth one. Tell me about it and bring it to me because I know where we're going. Ruth is four is where we're going. Do you believe me and trust me? So let's do sadness swell coming to the one who's got fullness of life, right? Life of faith is not one that's devoid of sadness and real emotions. No, it's the one where Jesus is holding you and walking with you and talking with you and speaking to you through every ounce of it. One author says, ultimately, living fully means more than happiness, comfort, or thrills, Living fully fully means you have the capacity to experience true joy, yet you are equally capable of grieving deeply while holding on to hope. Full life means you can expect great things in the midst of great loss. Ruth chapter one, Ruth chapter four. Expect great things even as you walk through great loss. Jesus makes this crazy statement as he's turning the world upside down. Jesus preaches in Matthew chapter five, turns the world upside down, Sermon on the Mount. And he says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Not blessed are those who have so much faith they never have to mourn. Blessed are those who mourn because I'm there to hold you. I'm there to care for you, to be with you in it. And I see Ruth chapter four. Number two, second thing we get to learn from Naomi is just keep trusting God with your little steps of faith. How many of you know... um, We all love to go from like A to Z overnight. We're Americans, amen? Just come on, get me there now. And God is just so cool with like A to like almost B, okay? He's okay with that. He's okay with that journey. See, Naomi doesn't actually walk away from God in anger, What she does is she stays close to him. She continues, by the way, to use his covenant name. She calls him Yahweh. We talked about that. She's saying, listen, the Lord, the Almighty, she calls him El Shaddai, the Almighty God. She knows exactly who he is. In fact, she actually prays prayers for her daughters-in-law, even though she's going through what she, she's still turning her heart to come to God to say, well, listen, I'm not, it's not going well for me, but would you somehow let it go well for my daughters-in-law? law. Just little prayers you can eke out in that moment. She doesn't stop praying. She believes God's hearing the prayers. She sees it. She's going there with him. I love that she trusts God so much. She goes, listen, I'm going to go to Bethlehem. I'm going back home, right? Now listen, you lose your husband, you lose your children. I think you kind of want to just pull the covers over your head and just wait for the end to come, She could have stayed in Moab where she was and just eked out the end end of life. Fine, God, you're gonna do this to me. I'm done. What does she do? She gets up, just takes a little step. I'll go back home. Go back to my covenant God, my covenant people. Takes the opportunity to move forward. She has this extraordinary trust that doesn't necessarily manifest in a really amazing, like, wow, look at all of what she's saying and experiencing. Actually, she's just trying to walk through it, just little steps. God, I trust you, and so I'm gonna take a step. God, I trust you, so I'm just gonna take a step. God, I trust you, so I'm just going to take a step. And you know why that's so important? Because your story is a ministry to someone else. And this is what we get to learn from her as well. Your story of hurt and disappointment is an opportunity for people to see the beauty and glory and goodness of God through you. I think we tend to think that God will only be revealed through our great victories I think we think that, right? Like, in the highlight reel of our lives, we're never talking, we don't often think about talking about those hard parts. But do you know what breathes life into someone? When you share the hard part of your life, and someone gets to see you come through it with God? How powerful that actually is? You know who's watching, Naomi? Ruth. Ruth's watching. You know who Ruth is? She's a Moabite. You know what Moabites did? They worshiped pagan gods. You know what those pagan gods required? Child sacrifice. The Moabites were a broken, evil people. Ruth spent her life knowing that their gods were vengeful, and expectant. Let me tell you what, no Moabite had ever done to their God. What's the name of their God? Chemosh. Look this up. Demanded child sacrifice. You know what Ruth never, ever, ever did to her God, Chemosh? Is lament and be sad. You know why? Because their gods say, you do or else. You're, a, you're dead. Their gods say, you will do what I require or else. It's by the way, every deity outside of the son of God across the earth today. You do or else. That's what Ruth grow, grew up watching. You know what Ruth got to see? Real faith in action. A woman saying, God, I'm hurt and disappointed and I'm bitter, and she's being real with that God, that would have totally transformed Ruth's understanding of what it means to come to the God of the universe. She actually got to see real relationship taking place. A real God who is really in our midst and working on our behalf and for our good. It was a revelation to Ruth, I guarantee you. She'd never seen anything like that growing up. Just comply or else. But does God say comply or else to you and me? No, what does he do? He invites. God invites. Every one of us know that we're broken. God's inviting us in. Godly lament, hear this, godly sadness doesn't repel people. It attracts people to the gospel because you've got something real that people are so desperate for. Let me tell you, the whole world is trying to lament right now. They just don't know how to do it. And right now, they're lamenting and sadness is coming out in rage. And the world is desperate to see a people who when life doesn't go quite right can come to the real God of the universe and bring their hearts before him and cling and hold fast to him through it all. Because God knows what your Ruth chapter four is, even if you and I don't. And so Ruth gets to watch something powerful, and we're gonna get to see, let's talk next week a little bit more about Ruth and her story and hear the power and beauty of redemption. But we get to be here in this moment learning what it means to be sad in a godly way. And so Ruth got to see Naomi's hope. Even through catastrophic loss, I'm gonna just take the small steps and I'm gonna come back to Bethlehem I'm gonna believe in a sovereign God who will hear and love me through it, who knows the end of the story and is leading me to that place. That's what people need in this hour. Beautiful, powerful, glorious faith. Our realness with God through our disappointments is a testimony to his goodness. Let me say that again, our realness with God through our disappointments is a testimony to his goodness. That's the testimony. It means you and I can be in a real relationship with him. It's actually what he's calling us into. And that's what people need right now. It's just to see people of real faith going through life with a real God. You guys stand with me, we're gonna close out. we're just gonna take these last couple of minutes to just come before you. We talk more about it, think more about it, but the safest, best thing we could possibly do is just be real and come to you right now. And so would you just do this? Would you just take three minutes, three minutes and clear your heart and mind of all the things you got going on? And would you just have the kind of faith that allow you to be real with the Lord? And would you just, before, before the Lord, I'm not gonna ask you to do it out loud. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or do any of those things. I just you before, before the Lord. Would you acknowledge or tell him anything that you feel are experiencing sadness about. Disappointment, heartache. And as we do this, I recognize some of you have something some really big things that you feel really hurt and sad over. There are some, you might just have something little. The grades didn't go the way that you wanted them to. Or someone forgot an anniversary or a special day for you little or big, would you just bring it and tell the Lord about it? I'm gonna give you just a few seconds. you just, you've told him about it. Will you offer it to him as an act of worship? Here it is, God. I'm laying it before you. I'm laying it down. It's my offering to you. now ask him, okay, Lord, what do you want to give me of yourself today in exchange? You get my sadness, it's yours. What would you tell me? What would you hand to me? Would you ask him that if it's helpful for you to open up your hands, then do it. But would you just say, God, what will you exchange and give to me. We give you our minds. We give you our souls. We give you our bodies. Every ounce of us, we trust you. Tell him by faith. Would you say it by faith? God, you get it all. You get my sadness. You get my gladness. I'm giving it all to you. And I'm receiving what you have to give to me. Jesus we were crucified with you therefore the life that we live we now live by faith in you it's no longer we who live but you alive in us because you are faithful to love us and to give yourself for us So we trust you today in a new way. Lead us by faith today. And would you give our hearts hope as we trust you more. We're gonna have a couple of prayer partners that we'd love to pray with you this morning about anything going on in your world. I wanna encourage you, if you got some stuff going on, let us pray. In fact, I think we should all be praying. So there. If you don't come down, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. We would never do it. We don't do that. Pray for each other. You got group members here. But if you're just going through some stuff, or honestly, if you're not going through stuff, you're just looking for a partner in prayer. That's what we're here to do. We're here to pray with each other. I'm going to pray a benediction as we go. May the Lord, Yahweh, God of the universe, bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you right now and give you a peace that is supernatural and goes far beyond all understanding. We pray in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen, amen. Blessings, guys, love you. We'll see you next week you mm-hmm.